Hi, this is Steve. In our last episode, our guest, Rachel Cushing, brought up the old adage that you really make a film three times. First, when you write the script, second, when you shoot it, and then for the third and final time in the editing room. In a way, the same is true for every episode of The Cinephiles. The process starts with John and I preparing for each episode, watching the film, doing research, and perhaps most importantly, gathering our thoughts in preparation for our discussion. Then, of course, we actually record the episode, which is always the most fun part of the process. And finally, I sit down at my computer and incorporate clips from the film in an attempt to both illustrate the points we make in our discussion and recapture in some small way the emotional experience of the film itself. Last week, in editing part one of Lawrence of Arabia, I felt myself repeatedly drawn into the film in a way I've almost never experienced in the entire run of the cinephiles. The music, the power of the performances, and the sweeping vision of David Lean have such a powerful and enduring hold on me. The truth is, I couldn't wait to jump back in the editing room to start work on part two. Lawrence of Arabia truly is a masterpiece, and if you haven't seen it, I highly recommend picking it up at our website, cinephiles.net. While you're there, click on the episodes page for a quick glance at every movie we've ever reviewed. And when you're done exploring the history of the cinephiles, be sure to come back this Friday as we continue our discussion of Lawrence of Arabia with our special guest, Rachel Cushing. I carry 23 great wounds, all got in battle. 75 men have I killed with my own hands in battle. I scatter, I burn my enemies' tents. I take away their flocks and herds. The Turks pay me a golden treasure, yet I am poor. Because I am a river to my people. <laughs> Hello and welcome once again to The Cinephiles, where we return for part two of Act One of Lawrence of Arabia with our very special guest, Rachel Cushing. We rejoin our conversation just after Lawrence has rescued Gassim from the desert and accepted the name El Orance from Ollie. <laughs> and while Lawrence sleeps, Ollie throws his British uniform on the fire. Yeah. Symbolic. The next morning, he's got a new outfit. <laughs> Almost something you might want to see on the poster of a movie. <laughs> you think? Yeah, the beautiful white. I mean, it is amazing. Mm -hmm. And you could see how deeply touched he is by oh, this. Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. this is a profound thing. I love the moment where they bow to him and he asks, is it permitted? Oh, yes, of course. And then he salams, he bows. Mm -hmm. um, and again, a perfect editing moment is they're good for riding. Cut to him riding. <laughs> perfect cut. Mm -hmm. He rides off. And what's funny, so David Lean thought, there's a, I don't know what to do in the movie right now, and just said to Lawrence, to me, it's kind of like um, Robert De Niro in front of the mirror and taxi mm, driver. Mm. He said, what would you do now? And all of the bowing and the dance and the looking at the knife and all of that stuff, that's all improvised. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. And it's rebirth. It yeah, is. Right? All white, rebirth, this angelic. This is the identity he's taking on yes. at this moment, and, and, and he's doing it physically as well as um, and it is, personally. And it's mm -hmm. play. It's yeah. like a child would, mm -hmm. you know, it's a kid playing dress up. Oh, it's And great. when he's like, he's looking at the shadow on the ground yeah. of like what it, when he holds up the robes and stuff. Yeah. It's exactly what you would do when you put on a costume or a fancy dress for the first time. Well, and also you think of what you just read, Steve, a man who is uncomfortable in his own skin. Imagine wearing this. Yep. Pride, such pride, such, mm -hmm. uh, you look incredible in this. You, it feels very natural and how much comfort must he have in his own skin wearing something like this. Well, and 
you know, he said that he's always in the backstage watching a performance mm. and now he just got handed a new costume. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. You know, um, and he runs around in a circle in the wind and turns and there is Auda Abudai. And now we come to my favorite character in the oh, movie. Oh, Anthony my Quinn. favorite actor in the movie. <laughs> so there was, I knew, the one American. I knew without even speaking to you that this was, that was the case. I love him so much. This is who I would be if I would if I could get cast in in this film and redo it. I would absolutely play this guy. It's and you'd so pl- you'd have played it the same way, yeah, right? Absolutely. The, the, the whole the whole you know the story of how he came on a set for the first time. No, no. So he was cast as Auda. Yeah. And um and they'd already started shooting the film, so he gets to set and, and lean is with O'Toole shooting out in the desert, and so he goes to the makeup people and says says make me up as Auda. So they oh, put wow. the nose on, they put the whole thing on, and then he starts heading towards set. And he's starting to gather extras and crew members who are like, who are saying, Auda, Auda. And then <laughs> David leans over there. He's like, what's the commotion? What's going on over there? He looks over and somebody says, oh, look, it's Auda. And he goes, that is. Damn it. We got to talk. We got to call Quinn. We, we don't need him. We got this guy. <laughs> That's great. And there were guys on oh, the okay. set, by the way, who knew Auda Abuta. Yes. Yeah. And, and they said he... We, oh, and Quinn says maybe it's legend or whatever. But Quinn says there are times where he, he was mistaken for mm-hmm. Auda in conversation when he was offset with other people. Wow. So it could be legend, but still, mm-hmm. he's unrecognizable in this, incredibly so. And his performance—I don't know how many, you know, uh, how much horsepower is in this performance, mm-hmm. but it's a lot. Yep, it's exquisite and it's funny. Yes, yes, very. It's, he's just a larger than life character, mm-hmm. and he's he a plays pirate. that. He's yeah, a pirate. Yeah. That's what right. he's a sand pirate. Well, and in, and he's enjoying the show. Yes. yes, he knows the show's going on, he's and amused. he likes it. Yeah, yeah, he's amused by the whole thing. <laughs> um, and he's just sort of, who are you, English man? <laughs> and uh, and it, you can see Lawrence's sadness of like, oh, they still know I'm English. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Yeah. What are you doing, Englishman? As you see. And it's funny, he says, I'm out of Abitai, and, and uh, immediately Lawrence is playing him. I've heard of another man of that name. Other. What other? The outer I'd heard of wouldn't need to summon help to look after his wealth. He must be a great hero. He is. He wouldn't refuse water to men coming out of the great Nefu Desert. Now, would he not? Hmm. No, that must be some other man. <laughs> <laughs> and he says he calls up his help, and that's when his kid shows yeah. up. Um, and he sa- I love that he sends them off. He's like, they're stealing water. Tell them we are coming. And the kid rides off with his gun drawn. Like, that's a kind of a gutsy move. <laughs> um, and we get to the wells. Uh, Alda jumps the water. I love the kid has his gun trained on Lawrence and makes him raise his hands, which is really funny. Um <laughs> And he wants him to empty more water, and Ali goes, do not. Empty that. Do not. And now we have Sheriff Ali and Auda Abu Dai. Yeah. Stand off. Does your father still steal? No. Does Auda take me for one of his own bastards? No, there is no resemblance. Alas, you resemble your father. Auda flatters me. You are easily flattered. I knew your father well. Did you know your own? <laughs> <laughs> Their insults towards each other are fantastic. Uh-huh. Yes. It's all great. Yeah. And, and, and Lawrence's response is to Auda is, call off your men. Yes. <laughs> this is the thing about this movie. It's really fun. Yes. Oh, yeah. I mean, it gets, it gets to some heavy stuff, but there are times in that you're just having a ball. Yeah. 
And and Lawrence Rubin manipulates him from get the hell out of my well to I'm going to show you how we tat hospitality. So, you desire my hospitality? Yes. Is it your tongue? We do desire it. Hmm. Then it is given, if you will take it. <laughs> I am at my summer camp, a poor place. Well, to me, it seems a poor place. Some men find it marvelous. And he does this great... Dine with me. Dine with other English. Dine with a Hawitat Harith. It is my pleasure that you dine with me in Wadiram! Uh, this looks like a heck of a meal to have. This became a thing for my mom uh, because she loved the movie so much. She would always make me belch after dinner to prove <laughs> I enjoyed the dinner. You cannot leave the table until you belch. That is the first mom I've ever heard of that yes. would encourage such she, an action. Did you I just learn so much she, about? Did you, you enjoy it? <laughs> I'm like, so I was trained to do that. From, is from now on, age. every time we eat, I'm going to ask you. To <laughs> it was, you know, it was a little. It was like an inside joke between us, and it was always great. One interesting thing that, about this. So this this movie, you know, you talk about a cast of thousands. This movie literally does have a cast. Oh my of god, mm-hmm. yes, it's huge, huge scenes, and this the the gathering of people around this. Feast are huge. And one of the interesting things for a movie that has a cast of thousands, you only catch the smallest glimpses of women in this whole film. There's yeah, yeah hardly any. Like just you just yeah. tiny, tiny from mm-hmm. the side. You know, you see in, in this scene, they're kind of in the background. Um, but basically, it's a cast of thousands of with 994 men. Yeah, there's you know? no lines for women other than the la, 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 when they're leaving. Yeah. That's the only time, which is incredible. Yeah. Um, and then we get this great scene of Lawrence manipulating Auda mm. into attacking Akaba. And yeah. it is, and you see the genius of this person, how he, you know, creates word traps for Auda. Mm-hmm. Um, because we get into this idea of profit and that Auda, you know, talks about profit versus being a servant and that he can't be a servant and that he doesn't work for the Turks. He's like, oh, you permit the Turks to be here? And he goes, yes. You permit the Turks to stay in Akaba. Yes, it is my pleasure. Um, because it is my pleasure. And then Alda's like, well, what's this thing you're working for Faisal? And he goes, oh, we don't work it for Faisal. He's like, oh, you're working for the English. He's like, no, for the Arabs. And this is the first time we're really hearing this idea of, mm-hmm. of you know, together. of this group together that are supposed to be the Arabs. And Alda's like, I don't know what tribe that is. The Arabs. The Hawitat, Ajili, Rala, Beni Sakha. These I know. I have even heard of the Harith. But the Arabs... What tribe is that? <laughs> They're a tribe of slaves. They serve the Turks. Well, they are nothing to me. My tribe is the Hawitat. Work only for profit. And I was pissed off by this. Am I served? And, and, and again, and then Ali's great. You know, it's the servant that takes the money. <laughs> there's, some, there's a lot of stuff in here. And then Alda makes this speech. I am Alda Abutai. I carry 23 great wounds, all got in battle. 75 men have I killed with my own hands in battle. I scatter, I burn my enemies' tents. I take away their flocks and herds. The Turks pay me a golden treasure, yet I am poor. Because I am a river to my people. 
I love the sweeping hand to my people. I am a river to my people. I love the sweeping hand. He's so demonstrative, but he's authentic. For all his lunacy and nuttiness and uh, swagger, he is authentic. Probably the most authentic person in the movie. There is no game he is playing here. He is overt about what he likes and what he does not like, what he wants and what he does not want. Does he paint it in a certain way that is uh, uh, positive to him? Yes, but he is still authentic. Well, he is, I mean, he is, he has some poor subterfuge going on. Yes. You know, like, like there's this great moment where. Because he can't lie. He's not built to lie. He's a terrible liar. He's a terrible liar. Um, um, and, and it's funny that the, the moment when he does this speech and Lawrence is looking up at him, <laughs> that's a look of like pure love. Mm -hmm. Like he's like, oh, I found a real warrior. Like this is a warrior from my books. Yep. You know, that's the kind of person this is. Um, and then Alda says he gets, says how much he gets paid. And it's funny. I think there's a ripple of. Oh shit, he gets that much? That <laughs> yeah. happens amongst his people. Yeah. And then Lawrence counters with 150 out Who told thee that? I have long ears. And a long tongue between them. A hundred, a hundred and fifty, what matters? It's a trifle. A trifle. Which they take from a great box they have. In Akaba. In Akaba. Where else? You trouble me like women. <laughs> <laughs> um, Again, authentic. Yeah, and then uh, Lor Lawrence has he has the he has the capper. He's like, yeah, friends, we've been foolish. Friends, we have been foolish. Aldo will not come to Akaba. No. For money. No. For Faisal. No. Not to drive away the Turks. He will come because it is his pleasure. Thy mother mated with a scorpion. <laughs> Thy mother mated with a scorpion. <laughs> it's at that moment out is like, uh-oh, this guy yeah. just completely outplayed me. Yep. <laughs> and it's it's an, and he honors him. He respects him yep. for it. Oh, he like, does. Well, he, oh, yeah. He beat him at his own game in such yeah. a great way. Yeah. Well, and Lawrence knows this is the guy I need. Yeah. And, and from what I've read, because and this is really hard to kind of figure out and real mm -hmm. historians would wrestle with this and, you know, much more than I ever could. But it seems like out of was e was maybe far more important to the Arab revolt yes. than Lawrence. Yes. You know? yeah. His uh, ancestors sued the production after the movie oh, yeah. yes because it went on for like 10 plus yeah. years because the, they didn't like the, the way lawsuit. he was portrayed because he was way more important and there's a play called ross i think and his character is very central to that play mm. and is portrayed way more uh, uh three-dimensionally than he is here mm. he was still about the money very much so still but he was much more about believing in the arab revolt as well and the coming together yeah. of the people he was a yeah he was more um have a linchpin in terms of convincing Arab tribes yes. to come together and being a figurehead in that, like, well, he's a part of this revolution. Maybe we should be too, right. kind of a thing. And this is a good place, Steve, for you as the filmmaker, as the scriptwriter. Sometimes you have to make adjustments to characters to make them stand out from other characters because they have to be unique in how they play this. If you had another character that was just like, like uh, uh, Faisal, it wouldn't have been as interesting. Because if he was going to be that important to the role, you have to have these characters. And yes, based on a true story, but if they fit the story better, to change them a little bit, that's what a lot of film directors do with these uh, based on true story movies. That's where based on is the real important part. part. 
it's for me, it's not just sometimes it's all times. Yeah. I mean, like the reality is your first job as a filmmaker is to make a film that is entertaining. Yeah. And then what your secondary considerations are, like if you go like, no, I have to make this accurate and therefore you sacrifice that your film is no longer enjoyable to watch. Well, then nobody watches your film. And then what was the point of making it accurate in the first place? You also made a documentary. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And which are in many ways, I think more manipulative of the truth than, than based on a true story. They never because at least when a point you, of view. Because at least when you see based on a true story, you know this isn't really real. Right. Like, you know when you go to see Ray or you go to see, mm -hmm. you know, name whatever biopic you want. Cinderella Man. Cinderella Man. Yeah. Like, that's not really what happened. Right. And I think a responsible filmmaker, A, does, does the research, and B, you know, is loyal to a big T truth, even though they're sacrificing a little T truth. Yeah. But in the end, you're just, it's just not going to be reality. Mm -hmm. You got a couple hours or three hours and 42 minutes mm -hmm. <laughs> to tell the story of a lifetime often. Yeah. And you know, you're going to have to make choices. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's like, there's, you know, like you look at a movie like the social network, that's one where, Oh yeah. It's a good movie, but man, he, re you know, he invented an yeah. entire motivation for a character that did that not exist. never existed. Yeah. <laughs> That's and that I think is, and I love Aaron Sorkin. He's mm -hmm. one of my favorite writers, but I think that was totally irresponsible. Mm. And I like the movie for somebody. I mean, it, and, and it's also different when you're talking about something that is so recent and yeah. alive and yeah. still involved in his own industry and in, in, in everything. And to be possibly negatively affected in that way, yeah, it does strike me as a little bit more on the irresponsible side. Whereas mm -hmm. when we tell more historic based hundred years after the fact type of things, I mean, this wasn't a hundred years. This was only about. 50, 40 50 mm -hmm. but um but there's still space there and you're not probably negatively affecting yeah well it's hard it's hard though as well because like there's a quote from spielberg that bothers me that's on like the blu-ray in one of the documentaries mm -hmm. and he kind of says he, does, he he sort of says look sometimes as we're saying you have to kind of mess with things and it depends on you know how central that historical event is yeah. to your experience and he said you know mm. when i made a movie about the holocaust everything had to be a 100 accurate mm. but this isn't as central you know what the events of this movie aren't as central to us so it's not as accurate and that's okay they're central to somebody this yeah. is my problem with the quote yeah. Yeah. And, and and to me like look this is i mean this is literally the formation of the modern middle east is happening in this mm -hmm. you know and so and we have <laughs> honestly the politics of the modern Middle East are central to all of us. No. And it's something that we largely don't understand very well. And so while this is, like I said, my favorite movie, mm -hmm. you know, if I were to make a film like this today, I would work harder to be more accurate yeah, sure. and maybe tell not the story of the white guy coming to save the day. I was going to say you would shift the point of view to be a bit more about the, the genesis of the current Arab political exactly. state. Yeah. So we're riding off to Aqaba. Yeah. Here we go. May God, your agent, Akaba! T. Lawrence is smiling like a crazy person. <laughs> we have this wonderful musical build, and then it's that night, and Ollie and Lawrence climb a hill, and there in front of them is Akaba. Yeah. Which is shot in Spain, by the way. Mm -hmm. They uh, built it. They built all that whole thing. They had been staying in the real Akaba when they were shooting in. Uh, in uh, the desert, yeah. but then when they moved to, but it, the real Aqaba wouldn't work for the sh that establishing shot yeah. of the them riding through the town and then coming out and you're seeing the gun pointed out to see. They couldn't shoot that in the actual Aqaba, so they had to build their yeah. own. And they found like a what a riverbed uh, yeah, right on the that. coast in Spain and built it themselves. Wow. Yep. And then 
as they're saying, like, hey, I think we're going to really do this. Bang, gunshot. <laughs> and they come down, and there's a man who killed one of Ali's men, killed one of Auda's men, and he killed, he dies. And this is the end of Aqaba, because now we're going to have a blood feud between mm-hmm. these two tribes. Um, and they're so matter of fact about yeah. it. Like th- that's it. Th- th- that's, this is part of our culture. Right. Like that. This happened. Uh, sorry. Done. Yep. And Lawrence comes up with a solution. The law says the man must die. Mm. If he dies, will that content the Hawitans? Yes. Sheriff Ali, if none of Lord Alder's men harms any of yours, will that content the Harith? Yes. Then I will execute the law. I have no tribe. And no one is offended. And he gets the gun. And he walks over. And they reveal the person on the ground who did the murder. And it's Gassin. 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 It is so heartbreaking. And uh, Peter O'Toole's face. Yes. Oh, man. This is the beginning of the end of Lawrence. Like the noble yeah. Lawrence. Yeah. This moment. And Although it, I think it's the right thing to of do course, in this oh, circumstance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But sometimes in life, you cannot control where your destiny takes you. Mm-hmm. He has to do this f- for once for the greater good. Yep. And he has to do this. And yeah, it's the beginning of the end of him questioning everything that's going to happen now. Because it's so hard. Like what in the moment, wouldn't you be thinking... I shouldn't have gone out and saved him. Yes. Because then this wouldn't have happened. Yes. You know, like there's, there's, you, you start to play that this is not black and white. This is right. a very gray situation. And, and he's, like you said, made the right decision, but it is going to haunt him for the rest of the film. And also, why? Why, when mm-hmm. I brought you out, why, when we're so close, why would you do this? Because God to... had already decided that. And that's not. something Lawrence. Yeah. Well, I mean, has a hard and honestly, yeah. honestly, as I'm an atheist, but. Yeah. At that moment, I would have that thought, shit, maybe they were right about this God thing. like Because yeah. it sure seems... He was meant to die. Oh, you mean like it was a Final Destination thing? He was supposed to die. He was supposed to die. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Lawrence gave him life, and Lawrence took it away. Yeah. yeah. And and by the way, this really did happen. It yeah. wasn't, wasn't the guy... Gassin. It wasn't, wasn't the guy Gassin. that he saved. Yeah. It but, wasn't a yeah. guy he saved, but it was a guy that, you know, there was... The attack was about to fall apart, and he had to execute the guy. And what he says, his hand shook so much that he come, he he. It took like six shots to kill the guy. Well, then they, that's in the movie, and it's they don't show the. They just there. It's that low angle shot on mm. on Lawrence. And what's so like awful about it is that he shoots, and you can tell he probably wasn't a kill shot because he has to adjust the gun and then yes, shoots again. That's right. And, again. and then there's like three rapid fire shots. So I'm like, oh my God, this wasn't just like a one and done mm-hmm. thing. This was like, it had to shoot multiple mm-hmm. times and it, it stays on Lawrence the whole time. And it's just heartbreaking. Which makes yeah. sense why it would haunt him. Yep. Yeah. And, and Lawrence is obviously wrecked and yeah. completely upset. Outa doesn't understand right. the problem. And he's like, oh, well, that was the guy he took out of the desert. And Outa's response is, oh, well, it was written then. <laughs> it was written. <laughs> yeah. And I really tries to make him feel better. The writing is still yours. Yeah. And Lawrence can't even speak. Again, he's gone to this state that he goes to, and he tosses his gun, and the Arabs scramble for it. And the camera zooms in on Lawrence's face. And there's something so, in my opinion, distasteful about what he sees as they scramble for that mm-hmm. gun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A minute, he was so connected with this group. He was like part of this great army on this great heroic mission. Mm-hmm. Now, not so much. Yeah. But this he, is... He's, he's can't reconcile at all. That's mm-hmm. like, it's 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 his the thing he's got to do the entire movie, and, he, and he's ultimately not able to. But it is he is giving the Arabs a far 
more of a chance than like any of the other British in trying to understand them and to relate to them and whatnot. But ultimately, there are some cultural things about mm-hmm. this group of people that for thousands of years, this is how they've thought and this is how they teach their children. Yep. And it's something he cannot wrap his head around. And like you said, actually does find distasteful in this moment. Well, and also it is the destruction of his expectations. Like Mm -hmm. he put these expectations of honor and nobility and he loved their culture so much that he thought they were above the very human thing of scrambling for a article of notoriety or or some kind of object of symbolism. That was just used to kill one of the Romans. Exactly. But it's the honor of having it. And so he thought, well, the Arabs would do that. The British would do that. The white people would do that, but not the Arabs. And then when he sees the Arabs do it, there is a destruction in himself as well of like, oh, well, then there is no utopian place for me to go. Mm -hmm. There is no noble place for me to be, to belong. Yep. Well, this is the thing. He He felt he belonged. Yes. And now he's back. You know, yeah. backstage, Back limbo. watching again. Yep. Feeling disconnected. But it's time for the attack. Yeah. And he's on his camel, and we charge straight ahead, and we kind of see the very unprepared Turks. <laughs> I love the little shot of the pinup inside yeah. one of the Turks' tents. Yeah. yeah. And as, as the music is rising, and they charge in, and they have a small defense with a few small arms, and they hit a few riders. And they charge through, and finally, when the music climaxes, we see those guns, big guns, pointed to the sea. Lawrence was right. Mm-hmm. But, but, by the way, in the real attack, hmm. Lawrence is firing with his pistol from the back of his camel and shoots his own camel in the back of the head, <gasps> oh, killing Jesus. it, and goes down. Oh, my oh God. My God. <laughs> Jesus. I could see why that didn't make the movie. <laughs> <laughs> it did not make the movie. Um, uh, but we win, and now it's the sunset over the Red Sea. And what's funny, I because I, I, every once in a while while watching a movie, I always kind of look at what the time is, because mm-hmm. I'm curious in terms of movie structure, how long. Mm-hmm. This is at an hour and 49 minutes. Yeah. yeah. This is as long as most movies, yeah. mm-hmm. just to get to here. Yep. And uh, Lawrence is looking out in the sunrise, and Ollie throws flowers for him. Mm-hmm. Miracle is accomplished. Garlands for the conqueror. And what does Lawrence do? <laughs> he jumps Step off the, the camel water. to get those flowers. <laughs> Scrambles for them like a yeah, kid. Yeah, it's funny because, again, it's it's that physicality of that performance. And I know it's probably the waves buffeting him too. But yeah. like, yeah, it's it's not graceful. No. The way that he goes after the garland. <laughs> and, and then we have this great moments where Ollie goes on again. Mm-hmm. Because I think Ollie... You know, has now fully admires that he is he's fully. A, he's in, in awe, the, yeah. in awe of this person. Yeah. He says, "Tribute for the prince, flowers for the man." To which Lawrence's response is, "I'm none of those things, Ali. What then? Don't know." I think he's starting to believe, though, that yeah. he's a prophet and a miracle worker, and like he doesn't know, but he's got an inkling of that great man, yeah. mm-hmm. extraordinary man thing. Well, that... And this is another "Who am I? Who are you?" moment because he says, "What? What are you then? Don't know." Yeah. I would have told Outa, don't touch the radio. Because <laughs> <laughs> Outa breaks up that radio. They're, 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 you know, looting this whole place, which looting was very totally normal in war up until this is the end of it. Mm-hmm. Like after this war, that becomes a much smaller part of war. Um, and he's looking around for that gold and he cannot find it. Vapor! There is no gold in Aqaba. 
No gold. No great box. Which Lorzer's response is, did Alda come to Aqaba for gold? <laughs> no, for my pleasure, as you said. But gold is honorable. <laughs> um, and he's right. And what does Lawrence do? He gets out a piece of paper. Writes him a check. Yeah. <laughs> the Crown of England promises to pay 5,000 golden guineas to Auda Abu Tai. Signed in His Majesty's absence by me <laughs> that's awesome and what does he say he's gonna do he's gonna go off to uh cairo yeah. to tell the generals because the radio's broken right. he's gonna cross sinai which is a big big huge desert yet again cross one desert right why not cross yeah. another one <laughs> and out just says you're gonna go cross sinai he says why not moses did oh, <laughs> here comes the prophet yeah yep. and who does he take with them he takes daud and farash yeah and but not before. I do find it interesting that this is the first time, well, not the first time, but Ali is skeptical of this move and he's mm-hmm. worried about, oh, you just want to get back to your people and that's to, a to great discard point. these silly clothes yeah. that you're wearing. And like you're you're essentially abandoning us just when I thought maybe you really were for the Arab cause. Yeah. And and he has to trust that that's not what Lawrence is doing, that he's doing the right thing because he's like, I can't send an Arab to tell them that new, this news, which is also insulting in its own way. It, I is, mean, it is, but it's a realistic absolutely. Uh, point that he's making. And he's, he's basically asking Ali to like, to trust him that he knows that this is the best move. And I find that it's, it's a, it's like the first little test yeah. in the relationship. Well, and, and, and his response when Ali lays into him, like, mm-hmm. Oh, you're just going to throw off all our silly clothes is you're an ignorant mm-hmm. man, <laughs> which is not, Nice. Didn't hold back. Mm. Nope. No. Um, well, I mean, this is the thing about this arrogant, mm. brilliant hmm. person is that he's not easy for no. any no. of us to mm. be around. Um, so we're off in Sinai, and Lawrence decides not only are we going to go across this desert, but we're not even going to sleep until we get to Cairo. And that is ego. Yeah. Yeah. That is that is about him aggrandizing himself. And, I, and that's in its belt of bite him in the ass he and he is losing it there's this weird moment where he looks off and sees like a dust devil yeah. and and he goes it's a pillar of fire mm-hmm. and, and and what it's, I, it's, it's, what strikes me is a biblical thing to say of course so we're, yeah. we're so we're really leaning mm-hmm. into the, the the this this prophet character that he thinks that he is yeah. well and it's a poetic thing True. i mean it's it's like him He's existing on this kind of other... I don't mean that he's a prophet existing on another mm-hmm. plane, but his brain is working in this ways that Daoud and Farash can't... And yeah. really, no, most people around him they don't probably never can't, be able can't to. keep up with. And I because he laughs mm-hmm. when they're like, no, it's it's dust. It's not <laughs> a pillar of fire. Mm-hmm. And he just thinks that's funny. And I really think he's just like, oh, I'm... I'm I think he's gone into his own special mm-hmm. weird place. Yeah. I mean, sleep deprivation, physical exhaustion, the yeah. craziness he's been through. And now he's off in the desert... We go into a dust storm where he drops his compass, and which we had established before is how yeah. he's going to navigate, obviously. And now he's just like, follow the sun, follow yeah. the hit sun. the canal. They yeah. head out. I, I, I know. I keep. I keep writing down. That's an amazing shot. That's an amazing <laughs> shot. Um, again, another dust storm, and there's the quicksand. Oh Ugh. God, it's heartbreaking. And Daoud. By the way, this is not how Daoud died. I don't oh. remember how Daoud died, no. but this wasn't it. Um, but they and they run to him, and I love that he tackles Farouk before. Yeah. yeah. He understands that he no. could lose both of them yeah. very easily and stops that from happening. You know, unwraps his uh, turban or whatever you call it, head, head, 
uh, cloth, hands it to him, and it slips through his fingers, and the camera pulls back, and he's gone. Yeah. In the the dust storm, and they bury their heads, and he's crying. Farouk's just crying. And you, and you can it's, it's impossible not to read into it in yeah. the sense of your ego led you yeah. to, oh, we're just going to cross the Sinai. Oh, we're not. We're just not going to sleep. And in mm-hmm. in like all of the, you know, miracles I've pulled off, all of the impossible things that I've accomplished, you know, that I'm untouchable. Yeah. And he still believes he's untouchable, but now he's affecting the people around him that love him. Yeah. And he's had this kind of special little bond with these boys, and now. He got him killed. Well, and this is goes back to what you said earlier, Steve, to give us background on T. Lawrence. Like maybe the writers and the, the filmmakers knew this about him, his personality. So they slid it in narratively in right. the film. Mm-hmm. Right. Totally. Just these unnecessary things to push his body to complete exhaustion, mm-hmm. to test himself, to see how far he can go, to see how powerful he really is. And People pay the price for it, you know, in the movie at least. You know? Well, they did in real life too. There we yeah. go. The, 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 the thing I always think about is like, someone says this thing is an impossible thing to do. Mm-hmm. And then you do the thing and you don't, we're not aware of how lucky we got. Mm-hmm. Right. We go, you know, oh no, I proved them wrong. I can do the impossible thing. Mm-hmm. Not, oh, you just rolled the dice and got a great rollback. Right. Mm-hmm. That's not what you do. And if that happens two or three times, it reinforces your belief in your own you know, awesome infallibility, <laughs> except for the fact that you can't factor in your luck. Yeah. Yep. You know, it, it, and, and this is what I think is happening with Lawrence. He's had the, because let's say that Gassim was a, a quarter of a mile that way or a dust yeah. storm is hit. Then you don't find him. Yeah. You got lucky to find him. You, I'm not, which true. doesn't mean very you're not, true. It doesn't mean you're not awesome. You are awesome, but it also means you can't, we, and none of us can do this. None of us can yeah. judge our own luck. It's really hard. Um, one thing that, um, is fairly clearly implied in Seven Pillars of Wisdom was his probable sexual relation with Daoud and Farash. Oh. Um, yeah. And it's been a sort of a, a, really? a, a talking point as, as to whether or not some biographers and historians say he was homosexual, some say that he wasn't. But it's uh, in the movie, that's the the characters that you, if you know mm. that or you think that that you sort of look for possible and, and in seven pillars he sort of says like you know there are there are relation physical things that happen between men when they were amongst men and that doesn't say you know he kind of makes a vague illusion to that particularly with these two young men um and we one of the interesting things in seven pillars is it is dedicated to with love or something to sa and there's a long ongoing discussion about who S.A. might have been mm-hmm. because none of his immediate friends had those initials. Had those initials. Right. Um, Daoud's real name had the initials S.A. Oh. Now, that's not evidence. Right. 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 That's conjecture. But that is a conjecture. But there's no question, it's not a conjecture, that the death of Daoud, which I don't think was quicksand, but was around this time, yeah. was hugely effective on his life. I'm sure. Um, they keep marching this is like to me this is like the zombie walk yeah again he's gone into like this fugue state he's not responding Farash is calling him from the yeah. candle while camel while he walks right, he's walking yeah and for, yeah Farage is like we can both ride the camel well, it's but penance. it's like he's doing pe- exactly he's doing penance. yep and think of how scary this is you just lost your best friend yeah and now your leader is not responding to you walking like yeah. a zombie you're in the middle of nowhere in the desert you have no compass like you're gonna die i mean this yeah. is really scary yeah and finally eventually convinces him to get on the camel which they do and they continue to ride um 
and and we go it gets it's creepy i find this mm-hmm. sequence weird and disturbing and we we start to go past this barbed wire and there's some kind of yeah. old fortress and it's yeah. like what where are we what is what has occurred yeah. um Farouche runs off leaving just lawrence just sitting on this camel he runs back lawrence is totally not responding throws water in his face and then when when lawrence comes around the way peter o'toole plays it is just so matter of fact it's just it's all right for us it's all right all right, yeah. And and then you hear this horn, this ship's horn. And they run forward and see again. I know saying this is an amazing shot. It's so redundant <laughs> at this point. But the ship traveling through the desert mm-hmm. is one of the strangest shots in yeah. the world. Because you, you just look at it and you're like, that's wrong. Yeah. So yeah, you're just like, wait, what's happen. happening? <laughs> and it ends up that we've reached the Suez Canal. Mm-hmm. And we hear, as you alluded to before, this guy on this motorcycle yelling to them, who are you? Who are you? Who are you? Did you know that that's David Lean? Oh. I didn't know that. Really? Yeah, that's the, awesome. In the uh, restored version. I okay. don't know if it was in the original. But when, okay. so when they restored it in 89, <laughs> they found nearly all of the... Um, film mm-hmm. but Loth had couldn't find most of the soundtrack that's why they had to go in and they had to redo a lot of the lines and peter o'toole came back in and did redid his lines and other actors that were alive did um and david lean dubbed the line oh. for that and it i don't think they intended on keeping him but it was like one of those things where they just never got around to having somebody else read yeah. it so it just ended up in there nothing wrong with that we're back in cairo I find all the color in cairo very shocking mm. after the desert yes um and uh we open up a truck uh, where they've been lying, and Farash wakes up with Daoud, um, which is just brutal. Yeah. Um, and Lawrence, still dressed in his Arab robes, is marching right into headquarters, and people are trying to stop him. And love it. Even when they recognize him, like you can't go in there. Yeah. Um, and the fact that he's bringing Farouch with him is definitely wrong because Arabs are not allowed in there. And this is where we're really seeing the racism mm-hmm. that exists within this group. And they go up to the into the same bar that we had been in before. They go up to the bartender. And and the the guy behind the bar is like no offending no no you must go trying to protect him yeah yeah and I love that he does this great what we would call today a code switch where he's talking to him nicely yeah. you got to get out and then when the other British officers are coming closer he's like get out yeah. you know he turns into the hard ass and he says we want two large glasses of lemonade this is a part of British officers that's all right we are not particular lemonade. I love that it's lemonade yeah. As he's wait and the intensity of Peter O'Toole is so amazing. Yeah. Yep. Um, so the, it's just so steeped in the emotion of, of like what he's just been through, and that the the last thing that happened was the loss of Daoud, yeah. and so he's just his shoulders are up and like his eyes not blinking, like it is just so he's so coiled tightly in right. that moment plus the palpable racism in the air oh yeah um, the, of the British, people he loved and they're all like yelling and the, yeah the, yeah it's really it become it, it could turn into a lynching situation it looks so unsettling in that moment well know? and this is the the racism they're expressing is for the the one of the two young men that he loves yeah regardless of how we define that love right. he clearly loves this guy of which one of them just died yeah who comes over to talk to him is it just some s- soldier or is it allenby or is it is it Brighton? Is it Brighton? I thought it was Brighton. I think it is. I think you're yeah, right. Colonel Brighton, Brighton cuts through. Brighton comes over. He goes, my God. It's like, explain yourself. And he says, we've taken Aqaba. Taken Aqaba? Who has? We have. Our side in this war has. The Wogs have. We have. 
and the shock mm-hmm. of that. Like, what are you talking yeah. about? How is that possible? Right. Our side, and, and then he uses, and I think the term is wogs, which is yeah, is up. the racial epithet, mm-hmm. I believe, for Arabs. It's not yeah. one that's It comes current. up later when he's in Damascus. Well, and he says, in, in order to explain what they've done, he uses that term to describe who it was he took it with. Right. And you have this great, great moment where Rosh is chugging down the lemonade, yeah. and he says, he likes your lemonade, <laughs> which is one of the funniest lines in the movie, yeah. I think. That is a great line. Um and, and even there's this moment, like, what happened to the Turks? And he goes, oh, they're gone. Well, we took some prisoners, but we took them boots. And you see him processing he's through just, the... Yeah, he's just rattling it, man. Yeah. yeah. And his guilt over yeah. the death and yes. his wanting to do it better, but also his pride in what happened. Um, um, and someone's like, no, it is impossible. He's like, yes, it is. I did it. I did it. I know. I. It's really important. Mm-hmm. Well, and the truth is, he did. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, to some degree, at least in the context of the movie. Sure. They say, well, you better talk to Allenby, which was like, oh, well, that's an improvement. Mm-hmm. And he wants a room with a bed. And they're like, um, yeah, we, we could do that. It's for, for him. Mm. And he goes, oh, I'm going to go see Allenby. I better shave. And like, yeah, and get into some good clothes. And the dirty look he throws mm-hmm. is so intense. And here's my question. Is that a, if Ollie hadn't said what he said to him at the end, would, would Lawrence have changed into the uniform? You want to believe? No. Yeah. <laughs> But it's, you know, actually, I think I do believe that. I think that that he was enamored enough and the Arabs meant enough to him that he would have been insulted by that comment, whether or not Ali yeah. had said that to him at Aqaba. Yeah, I think the pride... I that might be a little I think, naive I of me. I well, don't know. I think but. the pride with which he received the robes might have kicked in at that sure. moment. Sure. But I also think he would have changed anyway eventually because politically... it. He would understand that that was to be the smart move. Yeah. Let's go meet Allenby. Jack Hawkins. Jack Hawkins is great. Love him. Yes. Apparently when they went to get his uniform, they went to the same Savile Road tailor that Allenby had gone through (laughs) and the tailor was still alive. Oh, wow. And said, yeah, I'll I'll give you exactly what General Allenby. Oh, that's That's awesome. Isn't that awesome? I love him just going through undisciplined, (laughs) unpunctual, (laughs) untidy. He's just taking the hit. He's just kind of going through. You're an interesting man. There's no doubt about it. Who told you to take Aqaba? And then we get into this strategic sort of conversation. Aqaba's important. Why is it important? It's the Turkish route to the canal. Not anymore. They're coming through Beersheba. I know. But we've gone forward to Gaza. So? So that left Aqaba behind your right. True. And it will be further behind your right... When you go for Jerusalem. Am I going for Jerusalem? Yes. Very well. Aqaba behind my right. This is a more... How would I say this? This is a more intelligent general than the first general that sent him. No question about yeah. it. He understands more circumspect. He understands mm-hmm. what the situation is, what needs to be done. And he's only like just talking to Lawrence... As a way of maybe getting information in an unconventional way, but still getting information. Well, Allenby's clearly brilliant. Yes. I mean, he really, he's like... Practical. Practical. Very practical. Right. He, he's a tactician. He yes. understands that he's there to win a war. He is not there to be a politician, which is a, a juxtaposition yeah. we'll learn later when right. he's talking with Dryden and Faisal. But in, in this moment, he's clearly um, a brilliant enough general to understand that what Lawrence just accomplished makes his life easier yeah. as the general trying to win a war against the Turks. For now. 
Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, and and they even go to like like should we shift the the Turks out of Medina? And and Lawrence is like, no, you should leave them there, which is a really important strategic decision. Yeah. Which definitely does come from T. E. Lawrence, hmm. from my understanding, is that really was his strategy, and it's based on Lawrence was a brilliant strategic thinker, and there are a lot of people today thinking that have studied what he did. And we, I'll talk about that in a, in a moment. But um, well, uh, and then they get to this moment of like, well, who told you to take Aqaba? Hmm. And Lawrence's response is, well, shouldn't officers use their initiative at all times? Not really. It's awfully dangerous, Lawrence. That is not <laughs> the British way. <laughs> it's awfully and, dangerous. And, and Lawrence's response is, I know. Hmm. And Alan B is like, oh, already? As if that's like a thing, because I'm sure it's in some book yeah. that says officers serving in the field should use their initiative at all times. Sure. And the higher ups kind of go like, Man, we really don't actually want you to do that. <laughs> and he goes immediately, I'm going to approach you to major, which by the way, going from a lieutenant to a major, that's a long way. Yeah, it is. It jumps a few. Yeah. You're skipping captain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, particularly if he's like a second lieutenant. Mm-hmm. He's oh, going, skipping lieutenant. Yeah. First lieutenant. Yeah. Um, which I'm not entirely sure if the British ranks match up exactly that way, but it's a big promotion. And he goes, I want you to go back. And Lawrence says, no, I don't no. think that's a good idea. Yeah. Um, they have to convince him. Yeah. And there's this, he says, well, why? He's like, well, I killed two people. One was a boy yesterday. Uh, and the other he had to execute with his pistol. And there was something about it I didn't like. Oh, so powerful. Yeah. There was something about it I didn't like. Well, naturally. No, something else. I see. Well, that's all right. It'll be a warning. No. Something else. But then, I enjoyed it. That's a lot. Mm. Yeah. That's a lot. It, it, it's, it's an inner power struggle. Yeah. And, 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 and it's interesting that he doesn't want to go back because he recognizes that that's what it is. And that likely, if he goes back, he will have to delve more into that side of himself. Well, and also what that must be like to have constantly thought yourself above the violent mm-hmm. instinct, above the violent response because you were intelligent and you're smart and you're well-read and you're well-traveled. The fact that you could still find some kind of excitement or joy or, God forbid, attraction to the primal nature of yourself uh, must be a hell of a thing for a man that intelligent or that mm-hmm. uh, yeah. well thought, well that critical of a thinker. Yeah, to believe that that's he still he can be a base animal no matter how much he elevates himself. And given that that's the way most people saw the Arabs, and yeah. that was the 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 as mm. you say the the base aspect of them as a people and a culture, the, their barbarity yeah. is the thing that he is trying to ignore. Great point. And yet now he's he's maybe he's relating to it Mm -hmm. and as we know in the second half of the movie yeah where he goes with that well Mm -hmm. and that he's publicly exposed Mm. the most the most private or hated part of himself and he just put it out there and this is where you see i think that the full genius of allenby because allenby's response to be you're in this moment where the Mm. dude just like i enjoyed killing someone and allenby goes rubbish and then he just goes what do you mean by coming here dressed like that Amateur theatricals? Oh, yes. Entirely. Let me see that uh, hat thing or whatever it is. And he yeah. completely shifts the moment. Yeah. yeah. He, like, goes to this totally different place. Mm-hmm. Kind of how would I look at this? And Brighton goes, oh, damn ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and we just kind of moved on. And he, and he goes to, turns to Claude Rains. What, did you th- what do you think, Dryden? And his response is, before he did it, I would have said it couldn't be done. Um, and then we turn to Brighton and Lawrence is like, well, I know what he thinks, mm-hmm. expecting him to 
say something terrible about it. And Brighton's response is, it was a brilliant bit of soldiering. Which is exactly what you would expect the second part of that anyway to Brighton to say, which is why I like the character of Brighton. And yeah. I do think what you was, you said a while ago about the, the choices that he made was that interestingly, even though it's a very minor character, he does get an arc in the movie. Yeah. And I love yeah. checking in with him here based on the last time we saw him and already the progression. And then as we see in, at the end, mm-hmm. but well, um, it's interesting. Again, this Kane co- you know, comparison continues. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're very different, but like Bernstein is a character who could never do what Kane does, right? But under like admires and supports him on some level, and Brighton's not that, right. but he's definitely kind of that. Kind of has some of that. Oh, I outrank this guy, but this is a remarkable person, and I am not. Yeah, you know. And it didn't Lean say that Brighton is the only honorable character in the movie, or something oh, to that, that level. And wow. and I think that it's in in relation to. Brighton being able to get past his initial it's so hard for us to as as human beings we make assumptions about somebody and then it's very difficult to admit we were wrong about it Mm. and this is Brighton clearly admitting that he had misjudged Lawrence and acknowledging that and that I think is a difficult thing to do generally speaking and I think maybe that's what Lean was referring to in terms of his you know just it's a little character arc but but it, it, it's a, you know, a profound one the film is full of them which yes. is which, yeah. are, which yeah. is what decorates the film so mm-hmm. well so um the, and there's a great great moment where he calls in mr perkins whoever that is mm-hmm. who comes in and we and he snaps to his attention we only see his legs we're framed on lawrence we see his legs what do you think mr perkins bloody marvelous and the fact that we don't go up to him mm-hmm. and we're real because what it's really about is the reaction shot it's yeah. really about peter o'toole's reaction to this moment and his response is to to Allenby is your clever man. Mm-hmm. You know he realized wh- how he just got you, played into yeah, coming back. You just played, and that's a great moment of like, this guy played him. He knows that he played him. He mm-hmm. says you played me, and the guy acknowledges, yes, I did play you, and he says, no, but I know a good thing when I see one. That's fair, surely. And now we're in the midst of a strategic, a fairly highbrow strategic yeah. co- conversation, which the audience isn't supposed to get. I mean, they talk about Clausewitz and they talk about, you know, left and right and artillery and mobile moving troops and stuff like that. And we end up at the bar and immediately Allen B announces, I'm here at the invitation of Mr. Law- of Major Lawrence, mm-hmm. essentially announcing his seal of approval on yeah. this guy. Yeah. This is brilliant leadership. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, he and, recognizes what dryden did originally and that this guy he's actually going to make a difference in our campaign and can be used symbolically as much as strategically yeah well and he's also telling all the other officers here Mm -hmm. how to react to this guy because he has my seal approval and he's also figured out that this guy is a big ego Mm -hmm. and this is what's going to how to play this guy like he is and, and he is a brilliant leader in the way that lawrence is not Mm. And he couldn't do what Lawrence can do. And Lawrence can't do what Allenby can do. And then he, you know, we sit down and now it's very clear as they start to talk strategy that Lawrence always intended to go back. Yeah. (laughs) He already had figured out what they should do. A thousand Arabs means a thousand knives delivered anywhere, day or night. It means a thousand camels. That means a thousand packs of high explosive and a thousand crack rifles. We can cross Arabia while Johnny Turk is still turning round. I'll smash his railways. And while he's mending them, I'll smash them somewhere else. In 13 weeks, I can have Arabia in chaos. You are going back then? Yes. Of course, I'm going back. What's so interesting, by the way, is is that T.E. Lawrence 
figured out a strategy that's based on a tremendous knowledge of history that has been used over and over and over again in ways that maybe we're not so happy about since then. Hmm. Um, and it starts with uh, Sun Tzu. You know, so oh, yeah. Sun Tzu is the great military yep. philosopher, which of course Lawrence read. Mm -hmm. And he talked about numerical weakness comes from having to prepare against possible attacks. Numerical strength comes from compelling our adversary to, to make these preparations against us. So if you make someone prepare to defend multiple attacks, you make them dissipate all of their yep. resources, mm -hmm. and then you can concentrate your forces to attack just one place. So even though the Turkish army had a hundred times as many troops and bigger guns and all that stuff, they can't yeah. defend everywhere. Mm -hmm. And so they have to then split up that huge army to defend all sorts of little places, which means just a hundred of the Arab army going in the night and attacking unexpectedly allows you to, uh, to force them to defend everywhere and therefore defend nowhere. Oh, here's the T Lawrence quote. This is what he said. War upon rebellion is messy and slow, like eating soup with a knife. <laughs> That's what he wanted to make the Turkish army wow. do. Try to eat soup with a knife. Messy and slow. Yeah. And this is tactics that uh, the guerrilla the guerrilla war and the Spanish used against Napoleon, which is where we get the term guerrilla war. Mm -hmm. Most people think it's about monkeys, but no, it's the little war. <laughs> That's what guerrilla war mm -hmm. comes from. Anyway, the, the reason his ideas are so influential is that people who study them, people like Mao Zedong, Castro, Che Guevara, and uh, Osama bin Laden and Al-Qaeda, you know, mm -hmm. is that the idea of how do you how do you uh, hurt a far superior military organization, yeah. a far more powerful country? And the answer is you get them to defend everywhere against any kind of target. You know, it's like, can 18 guys fight the American military? No. But what can they do with uh, box cutters on an airplane? Right. Mm. You know, and that's where, you know, T.E. Lawrence... It's genius, and the tactics that he used are now out there, mm -hmm. and they are scary. Yeah, mm -hmm. you know, and but it just all also depends on which side of history you're on. Yeah. Yep, you know. Um, okay, enough about that. Um, and then we hear also from Lawrence in this conversation with Allenby what his political position is, which is that Arabia is for the Arabs now. That's what I've told them, and he tries to get Allenby and Dryden to go. Yes, we agree. We have no ambitions in Arabia. Mm -hmm. And they dodge this question mm -hmm. really beautifully. They have only one suspicion. We'll let them drive the Turks out and then move in ourselves. I've told them that that's false, that we've no ambitions in Arabia. Have we? I'm not a politician, thank God. Have we any ambition in Arabia, Dryden? Difficult questions, huh? And as this scene is going on, we notice that every single person is watching them from the balconies. Mm. Yeah. Finally, we're finishing up, and he's saying, here's all the things I'm going to give to you. I want small arms. Yes. Money. Yes. Lewis guns. Right. More money. Right. Armored cars. Right. Artillery. Right. Mm. Um, and he says, Allenby says, I'm going to give you every blessed thing I can because I know you'll use it. And they leave Lawrence alone. As they leave the bar and he's surrounded by all these people, everyone is staring at him. <laughs> he very elegantly flips the fabric on his clothes over and tries to salam. <laughs> and then they just start patting him on the back in yeah. every direction. And he runs out. Mm -hmm. He's overwhelmed by it. Totally overwhelmed. Yeah. In our final moment with Allenby and Dryden, he says, you can't give them artillery. You give them artillery, you give them independence. Mm-hmm. And, and Allenby very calmly says, Then I can't give them artillery, can I? 
in a way that basically means that he never intended. Never yeah. like, intended. Like to you do can it. clearly yep. tell. And 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 Dryden says, "Well, that, I guess that's your call." And he goes, "Oh, no, it's not. I've got orders to obey. Thank God. Not like that poor devil. He's riding the whirlwind. Let's hope we're not." Intermission. Yeah. Whew. He's, yep. he's riding the whirlwind. Yep. It's a great way to describe it. Yep. We have reached the end of part one <laughs> of our discussion of Lawrence of Arabia. Oh my God. Ooh. Yes. Overture. I'll say one, I'll say one quick thing about this. So I said that the last that I saw this at the when they closed down the Cinerama Dome, last thing that played there. Mm. And one of the people I saw it with was our good friend Josh Haber, who oh. we talked about and we'd love to have on the show. Yeah. He had never seen it before. Oh. It was his first time. It intermission came up. I turned to him sitting in the seat next to me. He had a completely stunned facial expression. And he looked at me and went, what? And I was like, well, this is intermission. He's like, there's more. <laughs> and I said, I said, yeah. And he, and, and he stood up and we started to walk, you know, to go outside and get breath of fresh air and stuff. And then he, after being stunned, pretty much like Lawrence in the yeah. fugue state mm -hmm. for a while, just turned to me and went, that's the greatest movie I ever saw. Yo. That first half of Lawrence of Arabia is the greatest. Wow. And I agree. This, yeah. I, yeah. you know, like I, I dislike going, oh, my favorite, greatest movie, whatever. Yeah. The first half of Lawrence of Arabia is for me the greatest film ever made. I agree. Not, yeah. well, no. I mean, this is where we get in these conversations. Yeah. Right. You know? Yeah. The, the, uh, it's I a great movie. It, oh, it's it, great. It's, it's, it's beyond great. It's amazing. It's a masterpiece. Like, I believe all those labels uh, count. Um, but I agree with you that, like, best favorite like all of that it's stuff hard like, to say. it is my my you know i could tell you my top five movies but uh, like necessarily but in an order because it's it's there's so much to do yeah i'm, I'm with you honestly with that. that's where i yeah. am too but this yeah. is always at the top of the conversation for i me. wish i could be as limited as you but i cannot oh no i wish i could be as open as you but i'm limited is what i'm trying to say uh for me it is it, always Kane, right okay. seven samurai arabia and then godfather 2 and then whatever well, the fifth have, one is you have literally built a career out of listing things in order of their, their toughness <laughs> there, there's that i mean that is we're, your we're, we're a, whole thing a little list maniacal in in the pop culture commentating world <laughs> i mean that's like it's what everybody wants it's you and john cusack and high fidelity i mean like that is what you do whereas i'm like i'm always like you know <laughs> what does great mean like for instance like one of the things of i know great i want to see it is is like is size yeah. and scope yeah and that's where it's like the greatness in terms of scope of this movie is undeniable yeah you know but i'm not going to have a discussion of this versus kane versus samurai no 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 versus, I you know, it's, it's yeah. not yeah and i couldn't either because no one's going to change my mind yeah but uh, the first half of this film i like into the first uh, um goodfellas all the way up until it goes right. to the 70s. Mm -hmm. It is an exquisitely awesome, fun film. Yeah. And then the switch happens. And the switch it's can cool. happen now, yeah. get dark in the second part. So, so you have heard what we think of the first half of Lawrence of Arabia. <laughs> um, we are going to continue this discussion. So uh, we're not going to go into final thoughts. I don't think we need to right at this time. Uh, but we are uh, going to just say that if you want to reach us, you can do so on our Facebook page. You can visit our website to buy the movies. You can subscribe on iTunes and YouTube and all those other things. Review and comments you've heard me say all these things before patreon page where you can suggest a film and uh if you want to reach me you can reach me on twitter at sr morris john where can they reach you are you going to find me at the roca says on twitter and on instagram and rachel if they were to reach you on the webs where would I that am be also on twitter and instagram at rachel j cushing rachel j cushing 
Thank you so much. This has been so great having you here. Thank you. I, I, have, I could talk about this movie for longer than the runtime of this movie quite easily. <laughs> well, you are in luck because <laughs> we are going to continue talking about yes, this we movie are. when you come back Absolutely. for The Cinephiles for part three of Lawrence of Arabia. Yeah.